and I'm your host, Sean Zanotti. I believe life is about the journey, not the destination, to find the journey in every step of the road, the highs and lows, the twists and turns, the ups and downs. It's in that, it's in those moments that makes life so beautiful. Our guest today has a journey of her own. Michelle Carter is a three-time Olympian gold medalist. She has dominated at the national and international level of track and field for more than a decade. The daughter of 1984 Olympic shot put silver medalist and San Francisco 49ers nose guard Michael Carter. Michelle followed in her father's footsteps, excelling early on in athletics, becoming the national girls prep record holder in the shot put at the age of 16, a title in which Michael, her father, had won the male equivalent to. In high school, Michelle won four back-to-back 4A track and field championships. To date, Michael and Michelle Carter are the only father-daughter duo of their kind. Please help me welcome Michelle Carter to the show. Michelle, thank you so much for being here. Yes, thank you for having me. I have to start off, I I try to start off talking about COVID because COVID life has just changed my life and has changed everybody's life. Yeah. What has life in the midst of COVID been like for you? Um, It's been very different. At first, I had a lot of time on my hands. And then once people realized, oh, we're going to be like this for a long time, and people started figuring out how to really use the internet, um, things got busy for me. Uh, My my speaking picked up tremendously during this time since I didn't have to travel anywhere. And people were definitely looking for great speakers. And uh, so a lot changed for me on that end and then just being home I'm used to traveling being on the road competing um and I'm home all the time (laughs) and that was an adjustment because even my family was like worried they was like well you're never home this much like how are you gonna feel I'm like well right now I'm okay but they they kept calling me and like are you okay what's going on well how are you feeling I'm like I'm I actually enjoy being at home. So just trying to find different things to kind of occupy my mind and my time and getting creative with the things that I used to do and couldn't do anymore. Yeah, it's interesting in regards to time because I feel like, don't you remember in the beginning of COVID? I mean, here we are now over a year later. But mm-hmm. in the beginning, remember when the thought was, oh my God, it's it's been it's gonna be two weeks and we're gonna be shut down for two weeks. Yeah. And now it's a year plus. And, you know, I don't know. How, how do you keep your mindset strong? How do you stay positive in, during these times? I remember that I, I just, I really view everything like every, a lot of things are outside of my control. Yes. I cannot control this. So why am I worried about it? That's something that I don't get to make the decisions on. And so if I can just focus with the information that I have, with what I have that's going on in my house, if I worry about that, then I'm worrying about the things that I'm supposed to be worrying about. But worrying is if this is going to happen or when COVID is going to be over or if they decide to open up and the numbers are still high, that's outside of my control. I can only control what I do. So if I don't feel comfortable going outside, then I'm not going outside. If, if I do feel comfortable going to this place or that place, then I'll do that because that's what I can control. And so looking at it that way just kind of keeps the reins on myself mentally. Now I'm not worried about too many things. Like even when the Olympics came and we heard about the NBA being shut down and my dad's like, well, you think they're going to do with track and field? And then when we finally got shut down, I'm like, well, as of right now, today, the Olympics is still happening. Until they say otherwise, I have to do my best to train as if the Olympics are still happening. But then the minute they say, oh, it's canceled, I'm like, oh, cool. I could chill for a minute and figure out something else. But now I have new information to make a better decision. 
So that's kind of how I, I keep everything in perspective this just focus on what I have and make decisions based off the information I do have today. Speaking of training, you've represented the United States for the past 10 seasons in an array of bronze, silver, and gold medals at top international competitions, including the World Championships, the Pan American Games, and the Olympics. Um, in re for, for training right now in these COVID conditions, mm -hmm. do you have to do something a little bit different for yourself to just kind of mentally stay aligned? Actually, yeah, um, because things aren't like how they used to be. I don't have the same rhythm of life that I'm used to having. Um, so right now, I really take one day at a time. I just do my best of what I have and what I can do today. And then when tomorrow get here, I worry about tomorrow because um, I'm a little older these days, right? So some practices, I might need a little bit more recovery from than other practices. And then uh, we might have to do some things different from time to time. And that's okay. I'm not the same Michelle I was 15 years ago when I started doing this professionally. And just uh, adjusting um, from day to day uh, has kind of just gave myself a little more grace to get through all of this. Because of course, with training and everything being shut down, everybody's not in the same shape they used to be in. I'm not where I would like to be you know, at this time, but that's okay, I'm not too far off. I just have to train and do things a little different to get myself where I feel the most comfortable and that's okay. And so I can just do what I can because I can't, like, again, I couldn't control what happened outside of me, but each day I can make the best decisions for myself. Let's, let's stay on that point of giving grace. Um, how is it difficult to give yourself grace during times like this where we're, we're literally, and it's a pandemic and we're all in the same position, if you will. Um, what advice can you give someone else to learn how to practice grace? and giving grace, not only for yourself, but allowing grace to be provided to others. No, it can be hard, right? Especially if you're a person who have high goals, high expectations, you're a high achiever. You're like, there's no room for mistakes. There's no room to do anything um, and not stay on track. But at the same time, we're human. Yeah. <laughs> I learned real quick, I am not superwoman. When I try to fake and act like I am superwoman, that's when I have, that's when I fail the most because yes. now I'm doing too much. And so knowing that about myself, I have to remember like Michelle, sometimes you need a little more sleep. Sometimes you're going to have to do this a little differently. You might only could handle 30 minutes of this, but now since I know where I'm at and I realize, okay, if I do too much, I'm no good for anyone. So if I give myself to, the grace to do what I can with what I have and do my best with that, then that's okay. I'm still moving forward. Um, and then when it comes to giving grace to other people, I, I always look at it as if I will extend the same grace that I want someone to extend to me, if that was me. So if I had a bad attitude that day and I wasn't my best at work today, how would I want somebody to approach me? How would I want them to handle me in this situation? And that's how I, um, I handle and extend that grace to other people because we all have bad days. But if I am able to, okay, if that was me, how would I want somebody to handle me? It makes a world of difference because now you just never know that that person could have got like the worst news of their life and they just haven't pulled their whole attitude together. But if you was like, hey, like I know this, 
but you know, like you're not on your A game, like you're good. You just never know how that little something can really change somebody's life that day or even that their life for the rest of their life by just noticing like, okay, you're not yourself today. Something's wrong. Let me give you some time to get it together or even ask you what's wrong and we, we can move forward from there. Absolutely. You know, I want to switch gears a little bit and ask you about pressure. Do you feel pressure or was there pressure or are you living in any type of pressure with following in your father's footsteps? Um, is that tough or is it, is it, is it easy? Um, actually, I didn't know that my dad did track and field when I first started doing track and field. Wow. So, <laughs> you got to share that story. Wait a minute. Yeah. So my dad did the Olympics in 1984. I wasn't born until 1985. So in 84, he um, went to the Olympics and was drafted into the NFL. And then back in those days, track and field was considered amateur. If you were a professional athlete in anything, you could no longer participate in any Olympic sports. So um, my dad ended up playing for, um, with the 49ers for nine years. So I only knew him playing football. And so when I went to track and field, um, he never told me. He was like, well, hey, you know, if you're going to do this, I'm going to help you because you don't know what you're getting yourself into. Mm -hmm. And me, as a teenager, I'm like, whatever, dad, like, just sign my permission slip and let yeah. me go on about my day. Yeah. But then over time, I realized, like, that they talking about stuff that I don't know about. Like, what's going on? You got something you want to tell me? Because I'm used to them talking football with him. But then I realized that, oh, like, you did something else and I didn't know. I'm like, oh, okay, that's cool. But I still didn't think about, like, oh, my dad got a silver medal in the Olympics. I didn't really understand what the Olympics was. I was like, okay, well, you was good at it. So you're my coach and that means I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> so then are you saying because of that and because you didn't realize, you only knew your dad as NFL player for all, for, so you didn't know I really, him yeah, in that Yeah, I really life. know my dad as my dad. Oh, I love it. All oh, that my. other stuff, like him being an NFL player, because if you think about it with me growing up, all my friends' dads were NFL players too. So that was normal. My dad went to work like they dad went to work. So I didn't know anything or didn't think that what he did was different than anybody else. Cause at that time, everybody else that I was around was doing the same thing. Yeah. So that was your surroundings. That was your yeah. environment. So you didn't see anything. So you hadn't, you never, you've never felt the need where you, where it was any type of pressure to be walking in his footsteps, even once you realize what he did and who he was. No. Cause even when I realized what he did, my dad told me like, who cares what I did? You do what you need to do. Yes. Like that was my life. You create your own life. So I never felt that pressure from anyone. People try to compare and him and I would compare just for jokes. We were like, who was better in high school? Who was better in college? <laughs> so there's who some was better professionally? You know, yeah. yeah, good friendly competition, but that's it. You know, nothing yeah. major. My dad was like, just find what you want to do in life and you be your best. That's all I want you to do. So as of now, you are the only father-daughter duo of this stature. What type of legacy are you building? What do you hope people understand from your story, uh, your story along with your father, your family story and what you guys are doing and the impact you're making in the world? Yeah. Um, I hope people realize that fathers have an a, a impact on their daughter lives, not just the father-son. There is a father-daughter things that are going on out there and that um, that you can't actually help your kids be their best. And it may not be in the same way that my dad 
um, has supported me and been my coach along the way. But just know that parents set the tone for their kids. And sometimes that parents sometimes have to check themselves how they're coming off to their kids because just because you're saying one thing, if your child receives it as something else, then you're still missing the ball. They're not getting what you want them to get. But to really create and cultivate that relationship with your kid so that they feel comfortable to truly be who they're created to be. Wow, that was so well said. It's so true. Um, Speaking of changing gears to to confidence and what you're doing in regards to empowerment, you founded the Youth Throw Girl Sports Confidence Camp, and that focuses on providing support for the entire, the complete female athlete, Mm -hmm. um, focusing on confidence building and their athleticism. Why was it important for you to do this and provide this type of platform to the world? Yes. So, um, in the age of Facebook, uh, I kept getting messages from young girls as well as parents asking me, like, how are you so confident? Mm-hmm. And then I was, I used to be a little offended by that question. Like, why shouldn't I be confident? Yes. Like, I don't understand why does this bother you or why is it a big deal? Because why would I not feel good about who I am? But then I realized that young girls who are um, larger than the average person, they do have low self-esteem. Mm-hmm. Um, they are struggling with confidence. And to me, it doesn't make sense, especially when you have your parents around, right? Like, why are they feeling like that? But everybody's walk is different. So I definitely saw that there was a need. And um, and so I'm like, you know what? If this keep popping up, this is something I should do. And so that's how I came up with the camp. This will provide a safe space for these girls to truly be themselves, but also see other athletes who look like them, who are built like them, doing great things and different things in different fields of life. So they can see that it doesn't matter what size you are, what color you are, where you're from, what you look like, as long as you believe in yourself and you're willing to put the work in, then you can do this. You can do this. How do you stay motivated? How do you know you can do this? Like what what keeps you going? What makes you tick? What really makes you tick? Yes, for me, it's internally. Like I just want to be my best self. If I feel like I could do better, then I'm going to do better. I'm going to try it again. If I feel like that was all I got, then I'm like, all right, that's it. We're going to leave that right there. But um, I always want to see how far I can go with it. So with track, the reason why I'm not done I believe I have a little bit more in me. Um, So until I feel like, okay, you know what? This well is dry, then I'll hang it up. But until then, I'm gonna still keep pushing forward and just try to be the best version of myself every time I step out on the field. Oh, I love it. What I find interesting in your story is that your teammates have have called you by the name of Shot Diva, which yeah. is the name that you go by globally. Can you tell us where that nickname came from and how you use that name to empower women? Yes. Yeah, so um, actually it started in college and um, there was this song, they would say like Beyonce, like Trina. <laughs> and then there was this part, people, the, the track girl, because I was only thrower on my team at Texas, and all the track girls would be like, track diva. And I'm like, I can't say that. Like, I'm not on the track. And I was like, oh, I got it. Shot diva. <laughs> and so I would say that, and it kind of just stuck. And then when um, when social media came around, I was like, oh, well, I'll just use this as my handle. And it just really stuck. Um, and it's, it's funny because with that name, it was... I chose it for myself. 
and people like to use it because I feel like it really definitely embodies all of who I am. Like I am this diva. I, I love beauty and fashion and I, and, you know, I have high expectations. But then at the same time, like I throw this heavy ball in some dirt, like <laughs> I throw the shot put, which you don't equate with the diva. So I feel like they're two totally opposite things, but they work so well for what all I do and who I am. You have been featured in media all across the country from all different types of platforms. Was there a moment for you, like an aha moment where you said, okay, okay, I'm getting this kind of coverage. <laughs> I made it. Okay, dad, I made it. Was yes. that was what was that conversation like and what was the platform? Listen, when I got a phone call to be in the very first issue of the ESPN body issue. Come on with it. Before you have to be fully naked. I got it right in time. So <laughs> okay. um, I remember when I got the phone call, I was like, oh, this sounds cool. All right. So um I remember I was at World Championships, it was 2009, and I had just finished like sixth place, which was like the highest an American woman had ever finished. And I got like a little press for that. And so I remember chilling in my room and my agent called me. She was like, we just got a phone call from ESPN. Like, why don't you do this body issue thing? I'm not sure how you feel about it, but let's see what they're talking about. So when I had the phone call and everything, I'm like, oh, this is going to be pretty cool. And they was telling me who all they had lined up. And I'm like, I'm going to be in the magazine with Serena. Like, yes, I want to do this. <laughs> and so we did the photo shoot. And of course, it was so far out of my comfort zone mm -hmm. because I'm a plus size woman. When yeah. they talk about athletes, you, they're, you're expecting to see someone with a lot of muscles showing, a six pack, they're very lean. But that was not, that's not my story but I'm still an athlete. So trying to position myself in, in the most flattering position. Um, but then also I got, I got a lot of boobs. <laughs> so trying to, trying to make sure we're doing this tastefully. And it was a little different for them because most athletes don't, it's not as blessed as I am, but just trying to figure it all out. And then when the actual magazine came and I opened up to my page, I was like, this is so cool. Like I'm in ESPN, I have a full page talking about representing athletes of all different shapes, sizes, and colors. And I'm in the magazine and Serena's on the cover. I just oh, hello. Beautiful. Yes, that is <laughs> such a beautiful moment. That that piece that you just talked about there in regards to your body, do you own that space? Or do you realize that you're a mentor for, for women who have bodies, a body type that's similar to yours to know that it's okay, I can do this and I can be quite successful um, if I don't have the typical or what's thought to be the typical body stature for an athlete? Yes, I really realized it the most in 2016 after I won and all the messages and, and, um, and text messages and emails I received because women didn't realize or they don't think that you can be a plus size woman and an athlete. Like they think it's only reserved for one body part. Like when you look at me, people will say, oh, you look like you used to do sports. Like, no, I still do sports. Thank you. <laughs> right? Like I have to correct them. But yeah. when you see a lineman, you don't question about his athleticism. He could be as big and whatever he want to look like. And you can still be like, oh, he was, he's an athlete. But why is it different for women? Um, like I said, my daddy was a lineman. When I was born, they was like, oh, she got shoulders like her daddy. Like I can't help what I'm born with, with my genetics, but you can make the best with what you have. And that's what I did. I have embraced my body um, and I have used my body to the best of the, its ability. Um, is my body perfect? Depending on who you're asking, right? But it doesn't matter, it's my body. <laughs> 
Oh, it's your body and you're doing a very good job with your body. I mean, it's <laughs> amazing you. to me. I want to wrap up with a segment that I'm calling Tell and Tell, which is a play on the word show and tell. Yeah. What can you tell us that has deeply impacted you that no one knows about? Um, a secret, if you will. I would love for you to dive into maybe how you keep your mindset strong. Like, how did you block those naysayers or those conversations that were coming in, especially early on? on um, as a child in this environment of an NFL that in a celebrity environment um, and you may not have had the typical uh, or what is thought to be the perceived body but you were excelling beyond beyond means um, a- athletically how do you keep your mindset strong especially early on how did you get this yeah way? um the what has kept me going all these years is my faith like uh, I'm a Christian. And what God's word says for me is real and it's true. So I believe what his word says is the truth. And that's what I'm going to lean on. So he said, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. So I'm not a mistake that he knows every hair that's on my head that he cares about me. So if he's that type of God who knows who I am, has given me these gifts um, and has blessed me the way that he has, why am I going to waste what he's given me? Like he didn't make a mistake when he made me. He made me this way for a reason. And there's things that he needs me to do, not for myself, but for him. Not like I'm helping God out, but there's there's parts of me being here that helps his mission going forward. So when I'm able to stand on the podium in 2016 and I'm over here saying that I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me, there were people who who like something clicked for them. They're like, oh wow, like I didn't think about that this way, or I didn't know like. How's her faith so strong? Why is this? It's because I truly believe what God's word says is true. And um, that's where my identity lies. Because if I let the world shape my identity, I'll be messed up because I am a black plus size woman, right? I'm already on the outside of a lot of circles considering my skin color and my size. But when I know that I was created for a purpose, I don't care what anybody else label me you're not my God. So what you say doesn't matter. The only opinion that matters is his. And that's the standard I live by. Oh, I love that. That is the standard you live by. And how long have you been living by that standard? Oh, man. Actually, since I was young, since I was young. And there's been um, points in in my life where my faith kind of, I say it upgrades depending on what's going on in my life. Like I didn't, I knew what, let me rewind that. So when I was young, I was heavily involved in church and we was in all these programs where you have to learn all these Bible verses, right? But I realized that all these verses that I learned when I was young, when I got old, I'm able to remember these things in the moment I need it, right? So like remembering that I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me all of a sudden when I'm struggling, like it, it just kind of popped up like perfectly. I'm like, so all these verses I learned is helping me today because now I can recall and speak life into myself, speak all this positivity, speak God's word over my life because I know that words are powerful. And if I'm speaking his word and it's his word, then no one else could do nothing to me because I'm talking what I'm saying what God said. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I was going to wrap up the show right there, but I want to talk about that, the power of the word. Let's, before you, before you step away, how strong is it? How powerful is it in regards to what you say and seeing that come into fruition? 
man, it is so important. Um, because I feel like what is, it says, what a man thinketh, so is he. Yes. Um, so therefore, what you say is a reflection about what you think. So if you are thinking negatively, you're going to talk negatively. So if you're talking negatively, your actions are going to reflect your negative talk. Um, and it says the life and power are in the, um, the um, life or death is in the power of the tongue. So if I know that I can speak life or death, I have to be mindful about what words I'm going to choose. So I choose life. So that means I have to speak words that's going to bring life to myself. And I think a lot of times we downplay our words, but we have to remember God's word says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And he just, he said it, like he spoke it <laughs> and it happened. So um, our words are just so powerful. You can deter someone from living one moment, say something and they wanted to kill themselves. So I know that I want to be responsible with my words. So if I can speak life into someone, I have the choice to do that. I can choose to do that. So that's what I really enjoy about public speaking the older I get, because I realize that a simple word can change somebody's life forever. If we all have the power individually to do that, what will happen if we all choose to speak life over each other and to ourselves? Like what kind of world we live in then? Mm, if we only spoke goodness to each other, spoke from a place of love to each other. We only, yeah. we, we lifted each other up instead of torn, tearing each other down. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate this conversation. Yes. Well, thank you for having me. I, they, it was great. I enjoyed it. This was beautiful. So that is it for this episode of the Journey Told Show. I'm going to leave you with words that my father so often has said to me, and that's to be the best you that you can be. Until next time, folks.